Hello, you wonderful humans. Welcome to the Embers podcast, episode number three. My name is James Boswell, and I shall be telling you the story of a very selfish giant. In a land we've all walked through, in a time we've all lived, there once was a garden, and it was beautiful. And it lived in the shadow of this ginormous castle that was owned by a ginormous person who was, in fact, a giant. But the giant had not been seen for many years. So long, in fact, that the children of the local village had began to forget about him. They forgot about his mean nose and his suspicious eyes, his hairy toes and his terrible bow ties. And so they played in the garden. And they giggled, and they laughed, and they cried, and they scraped their knees, and they climbed up trees, and they got their shirts dirty, and they hid, and they sought, and they span around until they were dizzy, and generally had a lot of fun. And the garden loved them for it. It helped the flowers to bloom, and the trees to blossom, and it gave inspiration for the birds to sing. Until one day when the giant returned. And he looked out at his garden, overrun with these pests, all screaming, all shouting, all making a mess. Get out! All of you, get out! And with that, they were gone, leaving no children about. I'll build a wall, thought the giant with glee. That'll keep him out, just you wait and see. Who he was talking to, nobody knew, but he did what he said he was going to do. And he built a wall. A tall wall, a very tall wall. So tall that people would stop and point and say, Poof, that's a tall wall. And he put up a sign that said, Trespassers will be prosecuted. And it did the trick, and the children couldn't get in, but the weather could, and where the weather could, it would. Mr. Frost and Mrs. Snow crept their icy toes into the garden, and they stamped on all the beautiful flowers, and they smothered all the wonderful trees, and winter well and truly set in. They invited their friend, the bitter north wind, to come in, and he howled around the castle. And hail came along, who ratted and tatted on the windows and the roofs. And the giant could barely sleep a wink. Time passed, and the world span. And when it became time for spring to be sprung, she peeked over the wall and thought better of it. And when summer came walking lazily on by, he saw how tall the wall was and walked around it. And when autumn came, she saw the sign and thought, how selfish. And she took her bounty elsewhere. The giant lay in his bed with his duvet right up to his bushy eyebrows. 
I don't understand why spring's so long in coming. I do hope there'll be a change in the weather soon. Now, not the day after that, or the day after that, or the one after that, or the one after that, but some time later, the giant woke to hear a noise that he hadn't heard in a long time. Birds were singing in his garden. He rushed to the window, and out there, in the corner, children were playing. They'd gotten through a crack in the garden. The giant was so excited that he ran down the stairs and he burst through the door and he ran towards the children who, seeing a very scary giant run towards them, were terrified. And they ran back out. No, wait. Come back, one and all. The giant fell to his knees and he felt ever so small. Would you really not mind if me and my kind came from that side to this? The giant looked up, and in front of him was an angelic child. I would give anything for you to come and play in my garden. Well, put me up into that tree, and I'll call my friends over, and we'll all come back over. So the giant put the child in the tree, and he ran up to the top, and as he went, little blossoms bloomed on the tree branches. It's no good. The wall is still too tall. I can't see over it. And with that, the giant was up there in a flash. But even with the giant being so tall, he still couldn't see over that wall. The wall must come down. And with that, the tree beneath him began to move. It ripped up its roots and it ran towards the wall and soon the whole garden was alive. The trees were bashing at the wall. The blades of grass became blades of steel and they chinked and they chunked at the foundations of the wall. And shrubberies became bubberies, which if you haven't seen then I can't describe, but soon their thorns were in the mortar and they were pulling down the wall. And the wall fell. And the children ran over it, and they began to play. The flowers bloomed, the trees blossomed, and the birds sang. The giant came down from the tree. He was looking all around for his new friend, but he couldn't see him. The children playing were just having too much fun. It was so infectious that the giant forgot all about him and went to join in. Time passed, and the world span, and the children grew up, and they brought their children to play in the garden, and the giant became an old man, who sat in his chair, enjoying his garden, and one day he looked up, and there in front of him was the angelic child. The giant got up to greet his old friend. How is it that you're still so young? Where have you been? Do you not know who I am? I'm your inner child. 
you stopped talking to me for such a long time, but I'm glad we're talking now. Come, we have one more journey to take. And with that, the giant picked up the child, put him on his shoulders, and together they walked off into the sunset. That was great, James. Thank you very much. Thanks, James. Thank you. And thank you, Tim. Oh, you're welcome. Mm. That was really nice. Uh, where, what prompted you? Where did you get the story from? So, this story is uh, originally an Oscar Wilde fairy tale mm. um, that I adapted. I yeah. yeah. Um, but I think he calls it just the selfish giant. But I added the very to make it more <laughs> potent, I guess. You did that know. by yourself, did you? Did that all by myself. <laughs> the power of writing. Um, but I did adapt it as well. There are, um, I think maybe to sort of bring it round to um, something I can relate to a bit more. So towards the end in the original, um, it turns out that the, the child is in fact our Lord Jesus Christ. And not being a man of faith myself, I I thought I would change it to... Um, You're changing history. I know. I no know. one's ever done this. <laughs> Especially in religion. <laughs> no one's ever changed the religion to suit a different need. How could you? Outrageous, I know. But I'm letting you all in on my little secret. Um, burn him. <laughs> but, um, yes, yeah, so for, well, for me, the, the idea of... Um, Connecting to something that you already have within you, mm. um, your your inner child, and your inner silliness, and um, the ability to um, be free from shame, as I think certainly very young children are most of the time, mm-hmm. um, was something that I wanted to bring to um, the opening ceremony of the Sankofa tent at Shambhala, which is what the story was originally written for. So it's about it's about self-empowerment, really, about finding that thing within you to to enjoy life and let, you know, enjoy the fact that um, flowers bloom and trees blossom and, yeah. and birds sing in your garden. And to share that yeah. with mm-hmm. with all with all your lovely friends. But he didn't uh, so in the story he didn't know he didn't know that until he felt the cold mm. and until he until he longed for it until he missed the summer and he missed the sound yeah well you build a wall and you're suddenly isolated mm. and um, it took his inner child to realise that he he wanted that companionship and to share his what was a lovely garden with with um, with others to um, to realise his happiness in himself yeah, yeah. that's nice yeah. For, well, there's so many ways you can, yeah, yeah, you can see that. Yeah. I kind of see that as sorry. Kind of see that as a uh, yeah, like the beautiful person inside you that you want to share, but you're scared of sharing it. Mm-hmm. So you you put up the wall of yeah. That. And the inner child is so is everyone's got a, is basically a child. <laughs> yeah, everyone has got this. Every single person, just it's with just a lot a of adult clothes. Yeah, but it's it's so <laughs> it's so easy to forget actually what it's like to be a child and actually how fun and open how fun it is being open and and playing with the world and 
And it's that whole thing of being an adult and being like, well, now I have to do adult things and I have to be a grown-up in this situation and I have to do all this adult stuff. And it's like, actually, mm. that's really closing yourself off and that's not engaging with the world in a new and exciting way where everything is fun or everything's an adventure mm. and everything's... It's more like... That's how I think you slip into this drudgery of being like, well, I've got to... Be I've a, got to be serious. Yeah, I've, I've got, got to, to be, be an adult and yeah. do all the serious I've things. Got to do all the serious things. Yeah. Actually, and also in writing the story, it did really give me the opportunity to be as silly as possible and do voices and play with the way I say words, which mm. I really enjoy. Um, That's something I yeah. really like about um, about your performance of this story is it's very much your your voice mm. and, and those lovely, the way you're, the, it rolls off your tongue and things like that, and the way you make those sounds, like the rat-a-tatting on the, on the window... Uh, what are bubberies, James? Shrubberies turn to bubberies. Well, if you haven't seen it, I can't <laughs> describe. But they're a bit like a shrubbery, um, just a lot more silly. <laughs> <laughs> a silly shrubbery. A silly shrubbery. Yeah. Why don't you just call it that then? A silly shrubbery. Um, it it bubbery. I mean, bubbery. Bubbery. Bubbery came very much in the moment, and um, I wasn't supposed to say anything about shrubberies. I was just meant to talk about the grass and the trees, but then in, in the performance, um, <coughs> I saw a very um, happy adult in the very middle of the, uh, uh, of the audience with such a grin on their face and these big <laughs> eyes. And they, it, I just wanted to give him more. <laughs> so I, yeah. I said that one. That's so, really beautiful. That's so thank you, that's... Owen Bleach, for looking at me <laughs> with such oh, oh, glee. Well. I'm sure we'll, we'll get on one at some point. Yeah, um, so. And with the, did you intend to write it in a rhyming way, or did that just sort of have, happen? Yeah, I mean, I think that that is part of the silliness. Um, and, you know, when I when you think about children's stories, like, I suppose most children's authors that come to mind are like Roald Dahl and um, Stephen King Stephen King <laughs> all his wonderful children's literature yeah. um, and you know the Doctor Zeus series which which all play around with creating words and yeah, yeah. Mm. nonsense and silliness and um, and I think I'd just finished reading Alice in Wonderland before I wrote this and I was just really inspired by the fact that you don't you don't have to make sense for people to understand you. Yeah, absolutely not. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the adult thing of it being like, uh, everything has to make sense, everything has to be linear, because mm. we are in the world and the world makes sense. It's like, well, actually, the world doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. It really doesn't. Like, it's just fucking mental. And it's really bizarre and absurd. And all these words... Like we, I kind of knew what you meant by a bubbery. It's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can totally knew, and you can just do that. And words have this wonderful way of just when you say something within a sentence, you just you know what it means because mm. all all words are made up things. Really, right, it's like, yeah, it's like music, isn't it? It's yeah, like, you can't you can't say what music is or what it's saying. Or, mm. You know, it's, you don't know what it's saying, but you do know what it's saying because it's, it's it's making, making you feel, feel straight away. Yeah, and I think the the reason I play around with you know, ratted and tatted is because if you say it like that, you hear it and you you remember that time when hail was ratting and tatting on your window. Mm -hmm. and, um, in the same way that music, you play a, a note and 
suddenly you're transported to another, you know, time where you you were listening to it, or or another world sometimes. Like when I listen to you play, sometimes I'm just completely transported mm, to yeah. a very warm and vibrant place, quite possibly Greece, um, <laughs> and, <laughs> or, you know, Balkan region, and you know, and um, yeah, and it. If I can, if I can do that with the with the way I say things, mm. um, and make make people engage with it, it just it doesn't become about um, the specifics of the word and which word you choose. It also adds the feeling of them. Mm. And is that whole like art is uh, it's it's experiential rather than factual mm. most of the time. This is me rambling. I, this isn't a really thought out thought, but it's more important to make someone feel something, I think, with art than it is to relay information in a really cohesive way. Um, yeah. And it's for the person to make sense of that. I think that's so. how people engage with what's being presented to them. Yeah. Rather than, you know, a big long list of facts and figures and things like that I mean yeah, yeah in day to day life you might have to deal with those if you're yeah. um, work or you know life entails those things but um, hey art can be a relief from those rather than an addition yeah mm. rather than just bullet points it's good to be generous and not selfish end of exactly. story <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was the point yeah. there you go <laughs> yeah there you go cut that story. whole yeah. eight minute waffle yeah. down to yeah. <laughs> Alan Titchmarsh bullshit. <laughs> what? Right. <laughs> You've performed it a couple of times with us, haven't you? How, mm. how have you found it? And, and I mean, that, that moment with seeing Owen's reaction to it is really beautiful because that, I guess, that's how, you know, that's why storytelling is so powerful is you can you can see something in the audience and react to it and, and the story changes and, and not mm. following a, a, a direct script gives you the freedom to do that, but how have you found it sort of... Because you performed it with us on The Village Buddy as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we're performing for an audience, especially with storytelling, when they are hanging on your every word, um, suddenly becomes like the, the audience are participatory in, um, in the story. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, I, I adore performing it. Um, I think because uh, I have such fond memories of doing it um, and how it sort of evolved and um, it came out very freely and naturally in front of um, a wonderful crowd. And then performing it the second time, it was just a sort of... Um, it was like... It was like showing off a really lovely friend, like, you know, just coming along being like, guys, this is just, I'm like, I had such a good time last time. Here it is again. Here's, you know, the best of. Um, so, yeah, it's quite different performing it to a microphone um, to, than to a, to a live audience. Um, you know, there are... Uh, there's just there's a, a magic spark that happens when you've got um, people's shining faces or glowing faces in by the fireside staring at you, um, and uh, I hope a bit of that magic came through in the 
in the mic'd version. Mm. Um, such, a, such a strange world now that, like, you know, storytelling has been around as long as we've been around. And it's always been it for people sitting in front of you. Mm. How, else, how else would it exist? And what, yeah. what mm. other point would there be? And now suddenly with the technology of recording in the last hundred years, hundred years, we've like, everything's changed. Like mm. after thousands and thousands and thousands of years, mm. it's now completely different. Yeah. And we're exploring, like using our brains in such a different way that we do have to perform to a microphone like we're performing to a crowd. Mm. It's the same with music when I'm, when I'm in the studio. It's like, this doesn't feel right. <laughs> there's something, and I don't know what it is, but that's it. It's, there's, there's no one watching. The there's no missing, one. Yeah. There's like it's like one plus one is two, but we're missing one of the num- yeah, yeah. one. Like mm. you, they need to be the but but that's you know that's where we are now with technology mm. and and our, and our evolution that we what we're doing. I guess we just get on with it. But mm. you know we this is this is just one aspect of our of our kind of group yeah. collective yeah. we do the podcast but we have lots of live shows where we can uh, where we can share yeah mm. yeah but it's it's just a different way of, of doing it when you do it into a microphone I always like to think that you're you're literally just saying it to one one person and that's it you're telling that one person the story because hopefully one person is listening to this now and they're getting that in their ears as they mm. are doing, going about their daily business and, and they feel like they're being told a story. Whereas when you're doing it to a whole room of people, um, it's you're, you're telling the whole room, but you're also still trying to connect with each and every single individual mm-hmm. person in that room. Um, and a good, a good performance does do that. Every single person takes their own thing from it. And, mm. um, and so it's just, it's just a different way of doing it, I guess. I suppose it's also quite... Um uh, an interesting thing now that sort of um, there are larger audiences and sometimes the event spaces are a little difficult to to shout over when you've got amplified music as well. We've started using mics in the larger things and and that brings a different feel to it as well. Mm. I mean, it reaches more ears, obviously, mm. but it then becomes the job mm. to reach all those people at the back even more so. Yeah. Mm. They need to feel your energy. Whereas when I performed at the Butty, we were all cosied around a, a, a campfire. Yeah. So it was just... It's just nice, isn't it? When you, I think for me, because I have the exact same thing when I play music, and it's, it's, it's not that there's more people there, it's not that they're further away, but it's that I... I want to be able to hear the sound that's going on at the same the same mm-hmm. as you. Like mm-hmm. I know we're in the same room and I can make the sound and you're hearing it the same as me. Or like I'm telling this story and you're hearing it exactly the same as I am. And it's it's much easier to communicate with people when mm. you're in the same space acoustically. Mm. Yeah. Rather than like someone who's a hundred meters away and you're playing through a huge PA system and you're mm. trusting a sound engineer mm. to convey your message across. It's, mm. Yeah. It's just so much nicer to be close to people. Yeah, I think I I think it's, yeah I think I think it's it's really fun and interesting to to mix it up and and to try all those different things like doing the ones in Balaban yeah. where we use the mics and maybe there's lights and you can't really see the audience you're kind of looking into the darkness or or I'm doing the ones where you're you can see everyone's faces I think it's really nice to to for me personally I like doing all of them and mixing mm-hmm. it up um definitely my one of my favorite 
shows that we've done was was with maybe 12 people when we were at um Jamie's family's festival and it was just maybe 12 people around a campfire but I could see every single person's face and I could I could talk to each person individually mm. and and that's really powerful definitely for yeah for for music or storytelling to be able to make that connection with each person who's sitting around is mm. is really um it's really um, humbling thing to be but able to do. It's, it's also thrilling. great to have a room full of people. Yeah, as well. do you know what I mean? <laughs> that it's is also yeah. very, it's also great. very nice, and it's just different. I, I, I yeah. just think it's different. Yeah. Like I agree with yeah. you. Like round there's that whole round the campfire thing. That's great, but um, but then it's just it's just a different feeling, a different energy, a different yeah. vibe, and um, I don't I don't necessarily prefer one over the other. Mm, no, um, it's just kind of like it's, you're it's variety, isn't it, darling? Variety is the spice of life. <laughs> Yes, definitely a buzz of having a, like a room packed with people like yeah. sitting listening to a story it's such yeah, a it's such a great, great. Um, experience it's an intensity isn't it mm. there's a there's a literal buzz because they're all chatting to each other in this weird sort of oh we're just we're just we're not quite sure if the show's about to start but it's going to start <laughs> yeah, soon yeah, I'm yeah. sure I'm very excited are you excited we're all excited we're all buzzing and then as soon as as soon as you hear bing it's going to and the audience kind of ripples and then, <laughs> and then it's up to us to entertain <laughs> them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's um, what's really interesting yeah. about storytelling as well is that you you are intimately engaged with that audience, mm. whereas opposed to so you know you're an actor yourself, James, and it's like when you're when you're performing on stage as an actor, you're doing a play. Yeah, you're with the other person in the scene. You've got a mind on the audience. Yeah, yeah. Um, unless you're directly addressing them, you've got a mind on the audience. You're still trying to retain them within your world. Mm. But you've um, you're not focused intently upon them. You, their focus is pulled to your focus on the other yeah. performers, um, and the story being told there. Whereas when you're doing storytelling, it's like this is all down to me. Mm. And it's, it's a very giving experience storytelling. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, but I wouldn't say that you know, sort of performing on stage, depending on the the style that you're doing, isn't giving. Um, but it's. Uh, you're right. There's there is a world that you are creating in conjunction with another actor, the set, the lighting, yeah. the um, design, the time period is you know changeable. You're not um, you're not relying solely on yourself to convey the the linear journey of the story. Yeah. You're, you've got a team that you're working with, I suppose, um, in a slightly different way as, you know, with the story, you've got the the journey and it's lovely working with musicians behind because mm. you learn so much. It, it makes my life so much easier having a musician behind to, to egg me on as much as anything else as well. Mm-hmm. And to, to lend that story, that deeper nature, I think it just, yeah, mm. taps into something. Lovely. Wicked. Should we leave it there then? Yeah. Should we leave it there, yeah. We can say goodbye. Oh. Thanks for listening, everybody. We've been the Embers Collective, and that was James Boswell. And that was episode three. In the room, you've been hearing Lonan Jenkins, Sam Ricks, Tim Carp, and James Boswell. See you all soon. Bye. 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 Bye.